Well, it's good to be here. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the, uh, all the gifts that you give us. Lord, we are surrounded by your goodness. Uh, sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes we uh, lose our sight of uh, what you are doing. But Lord, you are always working in our lives and in this world. So Lord, please open our eyes a little bit more to that as we look at these verses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, life verses. You know, this is uh, amazing that they give pastors an opportunity to tell their life ver verses because it gives us an opportunity to talk about ourselves. And you know how reticent we are to do that, you know? <laughs> well, this is the title of my, uh, of my message. I'm wonderful, except when I'm not. Now, uh, I need to explain that a little bit. Um, I'm uh, the pastor at Cross and Crown Lutheran Church, and we are becoming Cross and Crown Ministries. Uh, our, our main thing that we do is we work with homeless and jobless folks. Now, because I work with that uh, group of people, you know, I can do anything. I can even sneeze, and they think it's wonderful. Oh, pastor, you're wonderful. Oh, you know, I hear that all the time. Pastor, you're wonderful. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm Lutheran. I know better. <laughs> so I came up with this phrase, you know, I'm wonderful, except when I'm not. Because I know it's true, I am a sinner, I mean, I am a saint, except when I'm a sinner. See, so we, we, we have that going on, and we, we uh, aren't going to escape that while we live in this life. Hopefully, we'll, we will be more wonderful more often <laughs> as, as we get older. But, uh, uh, but still, this is, this is a state of our affairs for us until we are with our Savior forever. Um, Now, when they uh, gave us this, they did not um, say uh, we could have a life chapter. I suppose that would make a very long sermon, right? Or should I go that way? Should I go? No, I won't do it. But, you know, if I were to choose a life chapter, it would be chapter 8 of Romans, the whole thing. Let me just share a few verses uh, uh, in there that, uh, um, that I'm not including in my favorite, but they are so good. This is uh, verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We are free. You know, this is a done deal. You know, we are absolutely free. This is what it says in, chapter, in uh, excuse me, verses 16 and 17. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that's who we are. That we are heirs of the kingdom. That means that we are princes and princesses. Maybe even kings and queens in the kingdom of God. Because we are heirs to the throne. That's what it says there. Here's verse uh, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself in intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes with groanings for me, for you. That's how deeply the Spirit prays for us. It's right here in the Word. And then this is a verse that was already shared from someone in the congregation. Is verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
And what catches me there is it doesn't say that some things are, uh, work for good or the things I like work for good. No, all things, even the things that are unpleasant or painful or sorrowful, they still work for good in the way that God works with us. Well, the verses I have, I'm going to share them again with you with, uh, with my own uh, emphasis. This is uh, uh, Romans um, 8, starting with verse 31. What then shall we say to, those, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? Who shall uh, bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of, the, of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why are these my life verses? Because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not even me and my shortcomings, my weaknesses. I can't separate myself from that love. That's how powerful it is. This is uh, St. Olaf Lutheran Church in Bode, Iowa, um, population 200. Uh, I uh, could cause an instant eye roll with my congregation with this little phrase that I mentioned to you that I grew up on a farm near Bode, Iowa, and the, the eyes would roll. I'd watch for it. But I say it often because the Bible is filled with agricultural examples. That makes me the resident expert. So, of course, I have to kind of... Uh, push that in their face. But, but anyway, it was a great, uh, a, a great church. Um, I have memories of being in that church at three years old that I don't have from being at home. You know, things that, that caught my attention. You know, I'm a perfect uh, example of, of how Lutheran kids should be. You know, baptized as a child and just grow up in the faith. You know, and so as far back as I can remember, I would walk and talk with my Savior. You know, uh, I remember being five years old and uh, getting tired of my sister and brothers. So I would go off in the fields and uh, spend time with the one that I really loved, which is Jesus. And the parents didn't worry about me because the dog would go with me. They wanted to know where I was. They'd just call for the dog and he'd, he'd bark and then they, oh, he's out there. Um, and and uh, that's the way it was all through my elementary uh, years. And then something terrible happened to me. I became a teenager. And then for some reason, God became less important and I became more important. And so I wasn't paying that much attention to God during those years. Now, you know, I'd love to tell the story of how God got me back, but he did because he doesn't let go of us. And I was at a Lutheran Youth Encounter uh, retreat when I was in college, in my freshman year. 
Um, some of you know that organization. It's a great organization. It used to be, uh, have a big impact on people, including me. And uh, in the middle of this retreat up in the Twin Cities, God got a hold of me again. And the feelings that I had at the time were regret. Because I could have had this kind of closeness with Jesus all during those teenage years. And I kind of walked away from that. And so I had a born-again experience. You know, powerful experience. Now, um, uh, it's very similar to someone who meets Jesus for the first time. They, they are born again. But, you know, the, the sense of that uh, phrase in Scripture, it's a um, present progressive. Is the, ter- is the tense. We don't use that in, in uh, uh, our English much. But it means, basically, it liter- literally means born again and again and again. Or like Luther put it, uh, we renew our baptism every day. Okay, but if we neglect it, the, the coming back experience is going to be a little more powerful. And, and, and mine was because I neglected him for a long time. And what happened to me then, uh, right after that was going on at this retreat, I went out to the parking lot, it was that night, and I bawled my eyes out for four hours because of the regret I had. Now, all things work together for good. Uh, the way God used that in my life is I dedicated the next 25 years, my first 25 years of ministry to teenagers. Because I don't think uh, teenagers do not need to go through that time when they walk away from all, all of this. And, and uh, so it's just uh, exciting to see how that can happen and, and see it happen among, among uh, the teenage population. And also 25 years in the ministry in youth ministry, um, that probably explains uh, some of my behaviors, but that's, uh, we're not going to go into that right now. So, this is me when I was in seminary. Um, I, uh, after I graduated from, from college, I joined uh, a Lutheran Youth Encounter uh, singing group, four guys and four gals, and we went to West Africa. We were called Crossfire. And... Uh, uh, and the, the missionaries told us that in Africa they consider you wise if you have a beard. So the four guys, we decided uh, we'd grow a beard so we'd at least look the part. And, uh, uh, and you know, this, this is, uh, you know, I had this for 11 years. You know, doing youth ministry with this, with this beard, I could give a look to the, the students. And then uh, my wife and I worked at a Bible camp for uh, six years. So we would hire 50 college-age counselors. Same thing. I give them this look, and they got in line. Um, and then my wife convinced me to take it off halfway through the camp. I tried the same look. They laughed. <laughs> my ministry changed from that time on. Uh, but, you know, but, <laughs> but, but um, uh, God did use that beard in other ways, by the way. Um, uh, I met my wife uh, as part of a blind date. And, and uh, our mutual friend told her, uh, by the way, he has a beard. She liked beards at that time. So. <laughs> God works all things, you know. <laughs> this is a, oh, when, when I was um, um, in Africa, though, it was a, an important time because there's not a lot to do when you're not traveling or, or uh, in front of other people. There's just nothing to do. Uh, so I had lots of time. 
I read the Bible through four times when I was over there. I took notes. Uh, whenever I felt God told me something, I, I put it in the margin, you know, what, what it was. And, and I started to date those because, because uh, it gave a, a progression of, of how God was teaching me and, and changing me uh, over time. Um, and, uh, um, but I also struggled with this concept of grace. You know, I was, I was trying to figure this out. Uh, here's a, another writing from, from Paul. It's Ephesians uh, 2, verses 8 and 9. You might recognize uh, these verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When, uh, uh, when I would teach confirmation, I would talk about grace, and I'd use an acrostic. Maybe some of you have seen this before. Acrostic is where you take the first uh, letter of, each of, uh, of the word, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. How many of you have heard that before? It's a great teaching tool. Uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because that's exactly what happened. Uh, a great exchange took place. Uh, an awful moment in Scripture was when Jesus was on the cross. And remember what he said? It's, 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 he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all eternity, the Godhead had a fissure in it. We believe that's when God turned away. Because all the sin of the world, including yours and mine, were placed on him. And God couldn't be there for that. But the exchange that took place, and this is grace, is uh, all the good things that Jesus did, all the good words that Jesus used, all of that, that's now in my account and yours. And I didn't do anything to deserve that. See, that's what grace is. We don't do anything to deserve this. That's why it's called grace. And God gives it to us. This is a, a meaning to the third article of the Creed from, um, that Martin Luther wrote. And uh, uh, it talks about this a little bit. I believe that I cannot by my own understanding or effort believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. There's a period there. Can't do it. It's not going to happen. I can't. You, uh, it's almost like I, I remember one time I, uh, in uh, church service a long time ago, I was talking about something along these lines, and I put on some, I had some uh, boots, and they have bootstraps. And uh, the idea is you, you pick yourself up, you pull yourself up with your bootstraps. And so I reached down, grabbed the straps, and pulled. Nothing happened. <laughs> I could not pull myself up. My feet were still on the ground. Nothing happened. We can't make ourselves or get ourselves to that point where we believe it's a gift. So this is what it goes on and says, and uh, Luther said, But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and kept me in true faith. God did this. That's what he does. And then he fills the whole church with, with uh, his grace. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, day after day, he fully forgives my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give me and all believers in Christ eternal life. 
It's all God's work. This is my um, favorite picture in all the world. It's by Thomas Beardshear. And uh, it's called Forgiven. Jesus is holding a guy in blue jeans. That's me. That's you. And the guy's holding the hammer and the nails. And the look of anguish on his face because he knows what he did. That he's responsible. And Jesus is holding him. And you see the, the scars in his hands. And the picture is called Forgiven. You know, I identify a lot with, um, with Peter. Uh, Peter, uh, I think because he would often uh, speak and act before he'd think. And according to my family, I do that all the time. Uh, it makes for some fun moments, I think. But, uh, and, and there are some fun moments with Peter. Like, for example, uh, when Jesus was walking on the water, and the disciples were afraid, but then Peter said, Lord, uh, call me to come. And so Jesus did. Well, you know what happened, he started to, after he took some steps, then he started, he noticed the wind and waves, and then he started to sink. And then Jesus kind of admonished him for not having enough faith. But he's the one that got out of the boat. <laughs> he just, he, and he actually walked on water. So he's the only apostle that can say he did that. You know, so he, he would do things before he'd really think it through, I think. Um, but there's a, uh, there's a moment um, it's the most awful picture for me in Scripture. Uh, now, at the Last Supper, uh, Jesus told Peter that you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to defend you. And he had, even had a sword and all that. But um, after Jesus was arrested, um, he's in uh, the courtyard, um, and, and he's being questioned, you know, before uh, one of the high priests. And, um, and Peter's there. And someone says, you're one of his disciples. He said, no, I'm not. And then uh, a little bit later, someone else says the same thing. And he, he says, I don't know of him. And the third one said, you're one of his. And he said, you're Galilean. He said, said uh, no, I don't know him at all. He even swore. And then the rooster crowed. Luke is the only one that records this. That when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked at him. If you were Peter, how would you feel? You had just denied him. Well, this is how Peter felt. He went out and he wept. I think for all night. And wept means that he wailed. He had, he had uh, let his uh, Savior down. Now... Going forward, forward a little bit after Jesus uh, rose, and, and then he meets the disciples up by the Sea of Galilee, and uh, he actually cooks breakfast for them, uh, but then he takes Peter aside, and he asks him three questions. And he said, Peter, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you, and feed my sheep. And he said, uh, uh, Peter, son of John, do you, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Um, he said, feed my lambs. Then he asked him a third time, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was grieved when he asked a third time. And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. But, you know, 
Uh, English isn't a very good language for, for translating sometimes um, because this is what's going on in the Greek. Jesus is asking him, uh, Peter, do you agape me? That's God's kind of sacrificial love. And Peter answers him, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. That's friendship love. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. He asks him a second time, Peter, son of John, do you agape me? He answers again, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Then the third time, Jesus says this, uh, Peter, do you phileo me? And that's when Peter was grieved. He said, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. But then Jesus said, feed my sheep. So he restored him to his place with the, the, as the uh, probably leader of the apostles. But this is important to me because he met Peter where he was at. He's calling him up to this level, but he met him where he was at. And you know what? At the end of his life, he definitely was agape love because uh, he died a martyr. He was killed for his faith. So he did go in that direction. You know, I, what I love about that is that uh, um, Jesus is uh, so patient with us. And he's willing to take us where we're at and move us to where he needs us to be. This is a, um, you know, I, I put this verse in here because um, I want uh, to give you a way to respond in grace. Respond to this kind of grace that you have. Uh, it says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the last chapter of, of Revelation. And when I read that, I think, wait, 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 what tears? I'm going to be in heaven. What tears? You know, it's not tears of joy. Tears of joy aren't, uh, uh, don't need to be wiped away. The only tears I can think about is uh, I'm going to look around on that day and, and someone is not going to be there that I wanted to be there. I know who these people are, who God has given me. He's given me family. Well, family you're stuck with. But he's given me family and he's given me uh, close friends and he's given me uh, longtime neighbors and, and coworkers. And these are the people I'm going to be looking for on that day. And so as far as it is up to me, I'm going to make sure that they know the gospel. They know that Jesus died for them, that, that this is their future. In fact, this, this is another favorite uh, picture of mine. Uh, it's called um, First Moments in Heaven. It's a reunion. People get together, looks of joy on everyone's faces. Because, you know, the people that, that death separated us from here, we get to see them again. You know, it says uh, in Scripture that that uh, we don't mourn as those who don't believe. We mourn differently because we know the truth. And the truth is that there's a resurrection and we will see them again. You know, uh, literally, the, um, knowing the, the truth of the resurrection saved my life. Uh, when I was with the singing group in Africa, so I was 23 years old, uh, we were, we were uh, jumping uh, um, the, the waves off the coast of Ghana on a day off about waist deep. Now, I need to tell you uh, that uh, um, I don't swim. I have a fear of water. I'm also not athletic, and my youth ministry was very successful. <laughs> I don't know how that happened without having those two things. But uh, uh, 
But anyway, we're, so we're jumping the waves. Something we didn't realize is that every time we jumped, uh, there's a slight undertow would move us a little bit. Well, then we got to the point where uh, we all fell off a cliff. And now the water is up to here, and a strong undertow that was pushing us back into the deeper water. Well, everyone scrambled ashore, except me, because I can't swim. And so the, the waves went over my head. You know, I was underwater. And so the first thing I did was I panicked. And then I thought to myself, this isn't going to do me any good. <laughs> and then the next thing I thought is, I'm ready to die because I knew what my future was. And one of the girls came and brought me out with the easiest uh, uh, life-saving technique because I had to cooperate. If I was panicked, there wouldn't be a thing she could do. Knowing the resurrection saved my life. Knowing about the resurrection um, at another end of my life, um, I will be ready because I'll know what's next. This wasn't in my notes. Uh, but uh, in January 2020, before there's any vaccines or anything, I, I was in the hospital with COVID. And uh, it, was, it was really bad. I don't recommend it to, <laughs> to anyone. But uh, um, uh, I, w I wasn't afraid of dying. That was, you know, the second day I was there, uh, it was, breathing was hard. It was just, I wasn't on a ventilator, but it was just getting that way. But I wasn't afraid. I was concerned about one thing. I thought, you know, did I finish uh, putting everything together for my wife and daughter? That was my concern, not uh, my concern for me, because I don't worry about that. We don't need to worry about that. Our life is safe in the promise of God. By the way, I do have one side effect uh, from uh, COVID to this day. I can sing two notes higher and two notes lower than I ever could in my entire life. I don't recommend the getting, getting COVID so that can happen, <laughs> but it's just interesting. I want to share this with you. Whoops. This is uh, um, Revelation 2.17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with the new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. You know, there's going to be billions of people up there. Right now, I have this wonderful, intimate relationship with my good friend, my Savior. But this says, when I'm there with billions of people, I will still have that intimacy because he's going to give me a white stone with a secret on it that only he and I know. That's, that's, that's something just between him and I. That's intimacy. I'm going to have that same relationship with him up there. So I, I keep this on my desk. It's, uh, uh, it has uh, Revelation 2.17 on it as a reminder that, that uh, he's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. He's always going to be with me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm going to um, share a song with you. My absolute favorite song. The chorus of it goes, uh, it's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love embracing the worst in me. How I long for your stubborn love.
caught again, your faithless friend. Don't you ever tire of hearing what a fool I've been. Yes, I should pray, but what can I say? Oh, it hurts to know the hundred times I've caused you pain. The forgive me sounds so empty when I never change. Yet you stay and say I love you still, forgiving me time and time again. It's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand. How you can stay, perfect love, embracing the worst in me. How I long for your stubborn love. Funny me, just couldn't see. Even long before I knew you, you were loving me. Sometimes I cry, you must cry too. When you see the broken promises I've made to you, I keep saying that I'll trust you, though I seldom do. Yet you stay and say you love me still, knowing someday I'll be like you. It's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love embracing the worst in me. How I long for your stubborn love It's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love embracing the worst in me. And you'll never let me go. I believe I finally know I can't live without your stubborn. Love. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that that's the kind of love that you have for us. Lord, you will hang on to us even when we blow it. Lord, you forgive us. Uh, you set us back on the path. Uh, Lord, you will never let us go. Uh, Lord, we can depend on you. Uh, so, Lord, help us to live our life with that kind of uh, freedom and that kind of a love behind us and in us. Lord, thank you for your stubborn love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.